All right, it's uh, South Alabama week. Uh, just got over Georgia week. Uh, I got a lot of basketball stuff. We got uh, we got a special guest today. No DR, which this show has automatically improved because of no DR. But we got a special guest today, uh, Mr. Will here. Um, he has a little veteran scholarship that kind of blew up on Twitter. Um, I don't know much about it, honestly. I guess that's why he's here. He's going to try to get it out, get the recognition out, get the get the information out about it. So, uh, Will, buddy, you can you can you can have the floor here. <laughs> you know, first, you know, thank y'all for having me on, and you know, obviously, go balls. But um, yeah, so it's kind of a been a whirlwind of you know a series of events that kind of you know one thing led to another. Um, I remember you know back in August when. Um, you know, our military was in the process of evacuating our citizens and allies out of Afghanistan. And uh, those th 13 service members were announced that you know, they were tragically killed in that attack at the Kabul airport. And I immediately prayed to God, you know, what is it that I can do this time instead of saying, you know, thank you for your service or maybe a donation here to another cause or, you know, something you know, what is it this time that I can do that's just really honestly like a little bit more actionable um, to honor that the legacy of those service members. So, um, you know, I knew in his timing that, you know, he would show me what it is that, you know, could could be that kind of actionable event. And I was on Twitter and I remember seeing at that time um, that one of those 13 service members was actually from the Air, the Knoxville area. So I said, hey, maybe that that's it. Maybe, you know, I can connect with UT to do something to honor um, the, the, those service members, including Staff Sergeant Ryan Knauss. And I just heard and saw that Danny White is a man of the people. So I sent a tweet out in September on a whim. Um, I thought maybe it'd get like a like or two, but you know, it really blew up and um, Rocky Top Sports Nation, I don't know who runs that account, but they connected my account with Marcus Hilliard. And Marcus ended up giving me a call and I was, you know, over the top by his call and said, you know, hey, we saw your tweet. We'd love to support you. Um, how about a scholarship? So what turned into, you know, raising money for maybe a permanent seat in the stadium at Neyland turned into actually a scholarship to honor the legacy of those 13 service members, um, but also will go to impact more lives um, of the military in terms of, you know, education. That's pretty cool. Did, uh, did former Vols, um, contact you or any 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 names to kind of help help you along yeah so marcus um i don't know if y'all know his story he's actually the son of david cutcliffe um so there's a really cool story behind him so he he's the first one to reach out um he connected me with former volunteer basketball player steve hammer he played in the early 90s um steve is the assistant at, uh, assistant director of development at the tennessee fund and he came down to cartersville georgia where i'm from um, and we had a great lunch and Jason Swain reached out. Um, he actually had me on his show the other day. Um, we were actually, you know, messaging back and forth. Um, and right before this show, actually, Jason connected me with a veteran um, who just gave me a call on a whim and said, you know, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. I listened to the Jason Swain show. 
Um, and we had like a 20 minute conversation and just told me his story about serving in the military with special forces um, and those kinds of things. So, I mean, it's just, it's a phone call like that, that I knew like, you know, I was doing the right thing. Um, you know, when just a random veteran just wanted to reach out and say, thank you. Pretty cool. This is, uh, I love doing things for veterans and, and trying to find things to do for them. They do so much for us. I mean, we get to do this stupid podcast every week because of them. Uh, they, and, um, does now is this a one-time thing or is this like going to be like a yearly thing or yeah that's a good question so this scholarship actually would be given yearly um we would match it with an individual that has military ties they themselves are a veteran um maybe they have like a family member that's a veteran or a family member that's active duty um they themselves are part of a gold star or the blue star families if y'all know what that means um or that individual is coming from like a service academy, like the Navy, the Army, et cetera, um, or a military university like the Citadel, VMI, something like that. So it'll be given out yearly. Pretty cool. Lo, well, I, yeah, I was just going to jump in first and foremost. I'm glad that we were able to have you on. Um, awesome thing that you're doing. Like, like Leland said, I also love honoring our service members in any way possible. They deserve all the respect. And I love that you are actually doing something active that you are passionate about. Um, a lot of us just say stuff and we don't jump on the ball and do something. So I appreciate it. I think that's awesome what you're doing. Um, how are the people or the candidates going to be chosen or, and how do they apply? Um, is there like an application process? Is there a link? Um, how are you guys going to go about that? So they will be, you know, the recipient would be um, part of the Haslam School of Business and the Haslam School of Business has, you know, very deep ties, very amazing relationships with the students there. Um, they'll be at, actually be given to, you know, individuals seeking their graduate degree, um, which is just a little bit more special just because I don't believe there is another scholarship that is specifically for graduate studies. So they're going to find through their, you know, pool of um, folks, you know, and we'll match it. And I'll be, you know, in very deep connection with that matching process. So thankfully, there's not really an application process. It's just, you know, we'll see, um, you know, what is going to be, you know, the matching process. And um, honestly, I can't wait to meet whoever it is that is that first recipient. I mean, I'll probably cry at the ceremony or something like that. But um, I just, you know, very, just very blessed to be able to have this opportunity from the university to impact our military on a yearly basis. Awesome. Now, now, do you live in Knoxville? I don't. I live in Cartersville, Georgia. I'm from Atlanta. I'm born and raised. My dad was born and raised in Kingsport, Tennessee. Um, so, you know, his dad took him to games. My dad took me to games. I never even attended. I tried to go to UT out of, out of, for grad school, but I just didn't hear back in time when it came to, you know, the drop ad dates. So I waited to the last minute and then went to another school. You better, you better thank your dad there every day. Cause you could have grown up being a Georgia bulldog. So that I, was, I, yes. you, you could have been a grown man barking yes. at other grown men, but uh, n nice to know that you got the orange, you got the orange running deep. Anything else? Um, yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking to donate, um, you can go to my Twitter handle, which is just simply, you know, at Will McNeely. I have the announcement pinned um, to the top of my profile there, you know, and it's at with, it's with the GoFundMe. And the reason it's with GoFundMe and people have asked this and it's a great question is because we need to make a singular donation of twenty five thousand dollars to qualify for the Haslam's 
um, matching donations, so dollar for dollar. So your $25 could become $50, um, 50 could be 100 and so on and so forth. Um, so that's why it's with GoFundMe to just make sure we collect all those donations appropriately and ensure they're getting to the scholarship bank account, if you will. Um, so that's why we're doing it that way. No matter what, 100% of the donations are going to be going to the scholarship fund. Pretty cool. Paul, you got something? Uh, yeah. As a member of our nation's uh, military, man, I just want to say thank you because I mean, my brothers in arms, they need just as much help as anybody if not more when it comes to, you know, especially when they get out of active duty and then they go try to get a degree, it's a lot to adjust to the civilian life. So I just want to say thank you. And I think you're doing an awesome thing. Oh, thank you, sir. And thank you for your service. What branch of the military? Uh, I'm in the army national guard. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I was that's <laughs> second person today actually from army. <laughs> the yeah. other guy was, he was, he was, it was just a moving conversation, you know, what he had to say. And just like you said, he, has, he had almost the exact same thing you said. It's just, it's different going from, you know, being in the military to academia and making those adjustments. So, um, yeah. you know, anything that can, you know, just impact y'all's lives, you know, that's just what I'm here for. Uh, this is kind of probably putting you on the spot, but like to this point or maybe future, are you expecting like thousands of applicants, hundreds? I know that's kind of a hard question. I, have you probably no idea, right? I have no idea. Yeah. No idea. I, I mean, got you. you know, I hope this is a recruiting tool in a way as well. You know, it's like, hey, you know, we got this great scholarship. You know, if you're in the military, like come to the University of Tennessee because, you know, we got this yeah. great scholarship that can help impact you because, you know, obviously there's the GI Bill that covers. And from what I just heard on from the phone call, you know, covers tuition, books um, and like a a living expense or something like that, you know, for housing. But, you know, this could help with like meals or gas money or, hey, healthcare services, you know, that that military individual could really, really, really use. Pretty cool. You got anything else? No. And I just, you know, like I said, thank you all for having me on and thank you for letting me spread the word. I appreciate you reaching out. And uh, I saw I saw you been making the rounds and uh, I'm glad I'm glad you you asked uh, to be on. We, we love to have you. Yeah. Thank you all so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming, Will. Thank you. That's Mr. Will for his veteran scholarship. That's pretty cool. That's, that's a whole cool thing that they're doing. Uh, always do try to do your best to do for veterans, and they do a lot for us. And Okay, so uh, next segment we got, uh, let's see, we got Georgia, right? Georgia Review? Georgia Review. Mr. Paul, buddy, you're up. I just want to say I'm pissed, but I'm not disappointed in the team. I mean, it sucked. We, uh, Leland, you tweeted about it, but we had the ball like eight or nine times on Georgia's like half of the field. And eight of them, I think, were 32 inside the 32-yard line or something like that you tweeted. And we only – and we had like that one play hooker through it in the back of the end zone on fourth and whatever. Never do that. You never want to do that. I was terrible. Uh, and we had a couple drives where we just stalled out because we missed the throw or the play calling just wasn't there. But damn it, I really, I really didn't expect us to let them score 41. I was very wrong about how I thought our defense would play. I didn't think Stetson Bennett was going to come in there and look that good as he did. But I mean, Georgia's defense is real. But what pisses me off is we had so many more points than 17 that we left out there on the field. I think. If you add up all the times we could have settled for a field goal, which I like the fact that we didn't, 
giving we needed to score seven at almost every time we touched the ball after we got down 17-7 to win the game. So I like the fact that we did go for it, but it's just frustrating because Hooker made some boneheaded plays for whatever reason. I really do think Georgia rattled him, but that's all I have on the Georgia game. Yeah, so I will say I thought that we would score the most points out of any team so far, and I I was at least right about that. Um, I wanted to touch on what you said, Paul, about them scoring 41. You know, we had two turnovers. Both of those turnovers turned into touchdowns. If you take those away, the score would have been 27-17, way more respectable. So those were extreme um, mishaps that were super unfortunate. And, of course, they didn't turn over. We didn't force any turnovers on our side to take the ball away from Georgia on offense. So I felt like that was something we were going to have to do if we wanted to stay in the game. But just something to touch on there. Um, And I thought we started out super well, which is what I kind of expected for the most part. You know, Georgia averaged giving up six and a half points per game, and they they gave us or gave up six points to us in our opening drive. So I felt like we came out like really hot. Um, I felt like the score didn't show how close the game really was. I felt like we had a lot of really nice drives. Um, and also the other thing that I really enjoyed about this game, I have lots of stuff, but this was a big improvement for me was the time of possession because I'm always talking about that. We were able to possess for 27 minutes and 20 seconds to Georgia's 32 40. That's really balanced. Um, Really. I thought that was a huge improvement. Um, I was trying to take away some positives out of this game. So I felt like that was, that was a good thing. And it's kind of weird because DR isn't here tonight. So just us three and we're going to go back to Leland. I have a lot to say about this game, so we're going to go around the horn twice on this. So I've been racking my brain about this since Saturday. And so I don't even know where to start, honestly. So that first drive, like, it was magnificent. Like, it was it was the best drive of the year. Everybody's hearing all this about Georgia's defense. It was like we got them off guard. What most coaches do, if you don't know, they'll have a they'll have a predetermined plays. Now, I don't know how many plays they usually do. They usually probably do 10, 15 maybe. And they go by them plays based off like uh, the down the distance and all that. So Hopple's predetermined plays, it was it was great. We got down the field. Like it was I couldn't believe it, honestly. So one thing that is our Achilles heel, and I've said it, I said it after the bowling green game. I said that we can't go scoreless in quarters, okay? Now, a couple things here. One, I got hammered because it's funny how people will shit on me for being negative, but then they'll shit on me for being positive. Like, I can't catch a break here. So after the game, I left with about um, – I left after the drive after the field goal when they went up by 17, right? So I'm just counting up to, up to that point. Rest of the time was you could call it garbage time. So um, our Achilles heel, I said it was a win- winnable game, okay? 
my definition of a winnable game is not necessarily having us win the game. It's in grasp of winning within a score or two, okay? So if you look at this, um, I broke this down by our drives. Now, our Achilles heel all season has been scoreless strats. You could argue that this game was determined in the second quarter, okay? So second quarter, this was our drives. Three plays, punt. Four plays, interception. Three plays, punt. Five plays, punt. Okay? Now listen to the drives. Like Paul said, we had six drives inside the Georgia 32. Listen to these plays. Ten plays, 13 plays, nine plays, ten plays, eight plays, nine plays. Okay? So you're obviously not going to score on every single one of the drive, but you want to score probably on 70 to 80% of those drives if you make it down that far. Okay? That's why I said I thought it was a winnable game. And another thing is I've seen number one teams play Tennessee and steamrollers. Say what you want about the score. They did not steamroll us, okay? Now, last week I told you all to look at the box score against Kentucky and think if you covered up the score, it would look like they beat our ass, right? This week cover up the score, and it's, 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 it's pretty much even, honestly. She mentioned the time of possession. Now, they, they get outgained us by 100 yards. Now, if you take the end of those drives – from the 30, if we, if we stalled at the 30, what's 30 times 4 or 3? You know, it's, it's about 100, okay? So it, that, that evens out if you get down to it. Now, we turned the ball over. Now, you could argue good teams take away the ball. Bad teams give up the ball. But picks, that's our fault. Georgia didn't do anything. They just caught the ball. Um, now, I may be wrong on this. Like, I only remember two big splash plays, and there may be more. I don't know. It was the long run by the running back and the other play with him where they lined him up at wide receiver and they had a linebacker on him and they threw, threw it to him. Uh, credit uh, Bennett, he made some huge third-down conversions, like contested catches. Like I'm like, we just, need a, we just need a stop. And like he would throw it to that wide receiver or he would, you know, run or like he had that scramble for the touchdown. So – Back to the scoreless quarters, okay? Let's take our four main losses. I'm not going to count Pitt. Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss, okay? Florida, we had two quarters scoreless. Bama, we had the second quarter scoreless. Georgia, we had the second and third quarter scoreless. Mississippi, we didn't go scoreless, but we only scored three points in a quarter, okay? If you're a team and you're trying to make your way back and you're less talented than the other team you're playing for, you cannot take – quarters off now I don't know what it is I don't know if it's teams are making adjustment after the first quarter I don't know if it's we're worn out I don't know if it's hookers not seeing things and like it's just not computing for them like I don't know but this game was closer than what the score said and I and any and I'm and another thing is like I said like I've seen number one team steamroll us and that wasn't they I'm not saying they had an off day but they, they weren't on all cylinders. They were probably on all cylinders against Florida. They steamrolled Florida. They didn't steamroll us. Um, I, I wish that second quarter we did more. Um, and if you honestly – I hate playing ifs, ands, and buts, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you take away that second quarter, the score is 24-17. to 17. So we're right there, right? Um, 
but that's in fantasy land and, and, and what happened happened. Um, but they might be the worst national championship team contender that like I've ever seen. Like, like there's, there's no like dynamic person on offense that just takes over the game. Like their running backs decent. Like I don't, Stetson Bennett's just some dude, like, you know, but, uh, I got another thing. Let's go back around again. Um, I got another thing I want to talk about quarterbacks, but, uh, Paul, Georgia. Um, one thing that really frustrated me in this Georgia game was how Hooker played. I've really – I've been harping on how good of a quarterback Hooker is. I, I would pick him over Dobbs if I needed just one win. Um, but it just seemed like after we got down 10-7 and then we punted it and they got the ball back, it just seemed like after that he wasn't there. It, it just seemed like he was in his head – he was uncomfortable. Like, he looked uncomfortable with the offense again. And that was just very weird to see. Like, he was making throws that we haven't seen him make all year. And that one interception throw, when was the first time – like, I've really not seen him throw that inaccurate of a football all year. Like, he's throwing bad passes, but that was, like, five yards over the head. It was caught by not even the same receiver's corner. It was caught by a corner that was on the outside route. So, I mean, it just sucks. Like, I, I talked all this shit and – now my foot's in my mouth because Hooker went out there and kind of pissed the bed after we got down 10-7. And then, like Leland said, if we're going to beat Georgia, you can't have a quarter where you didn't score at all. Like if you, if you think – if we score a touchdown in each of those quarters, it's – by the end of the third quarter, it's 27 – it's 27-21 and Leland's still there. It doesn't have to leave early. But it's, it's frustrating as shit playing if – if what's an ifs and all that bullshit, whatever the hell he said. But uh, that's all I really got on George. I'm just disappointed. I also wanted to go back when Paul brought it up, when we went for it on fourth down early in the game. Was that – I want y'all to chime in on this real quick. Was that whenever Hooker way overthrew it into the corner of the end zone? That was? Like inside the 30, he rolled left. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I did not, if, okay, if we're going to go for it and have some balls, that's fine, but you have to have a better play than that. And it has to be executed better. That was just atrocious. They should have, and if they're, if that's what they were trying to do, they should have just took the points. Um, so I like if they go for it, if they have a good play in mind, but that was not, that wasn't cute. Um, and it was odd. It, it was odd to see Hooker. I've, I don't think he played bad. His stats weren't bad. You know, overall, I mean, he did a good job, but he had a lot of weird overthrows and stuff that we just are not used to seeing with him. So, I mean, you know, everyone can have a bad game at some point. Um, and I thought he did fine, but to beat them, you got to be, you know, near perfect to have a chance. So, the other guy, obviously, Tillman had a hell of a game. Banks and Taylor had a really good game on the defensive side of the ball. Um, uh, I, another thing I did notice, especially in the first drive, but really the whole first quarter, it seemed like Georgia's defense was not ready for our offense. And I know people will probably say that that sounds ridiculous, but on my rewatch, it was true. Um I mean, we were all over the field. We were wide open everywhere. And 
that is nice to see. I mean, I just, I can't remember in recent history where I've seen anything like that. So I was pleased with like that first, I guess, first half performance overall. Um, but obviously it just got shaky. And I think the turnovers were the absolute like nail in the coffin in terms of game changing. I mean, that was 14 points immediately in Georgia's direction that we couldn't get back. Um, overall, just closing out, we, you know, we moved the ball better than I expected. They didn't give up once again. I mean, I didn't see anyone visibly just be like, well, piss on this game. So I love that because I feel like I've noticed that in players before. I did not notice it in this game. So really, I mean, just got to take it and move on to the next week and hope that they continue to improve. So I'm going to talk about Hooker for a second, and um, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to talk about how soft our fan base is, and it's it's almost it's almost like they have JG syndrome, like beaten down syndrome. They, you know, just because you criticize a guy, and I got killed yesterday for it, doesn't mean I think he sucks. Okay, I don't think he's a Heisman contender. I don't think he's elite, okay? I think for this team and this year and next year, I think that he is a good, solid starting SEC quarterback, okay? Just because I don't think he's the next coming of Joe Burrow doesn't mean I think he sucks, okay? I'm always looking to get better, okay, at every position, especially quarterbacks. Quarterback is the most polarizing position. It's the leader of your team. It's you need a you need a good one, okay? So, but I have a I see a couple things that nobody really else notices. They just see the touchdown throws and and, and all, and that's fine. But there's a reason why we lost to Pitt, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss, okay? And he didn't have overly good games on any of those. Um, so for instance, like it like some of the plays I see that he makes, Hopple has schemed up either basically these go routes down the sideline. And there's been a ton of them. Like we've, we've hit so many of them and I've tweeted a couple weeks ago. So this might be the most go route hit team I've ever seen. Okay. Now he overthrew Valus the other day, I think in the first drive, we ended up scoring. It was at first drive. Okay. So he ended up throwing, but like, dude, if you're big time, if you're a big time player and want to be and take us to the next step, you have to hit that. Like that, you have to hit that play. This ain't this isn't like the, he wasn't trying to rope through a window. Like he's wide open, hit it. And he 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 has one about one a game, okay? Um and another thing another plays that he does is like the little the little side with with the, the receiver screen on the side, like he'll he'll hit those and they'll hit the deep routes. Like, honestly, I don't know if Hopple likes him throwing in the middle and, like, over linebackers and all that because those are the only two pass. He completed a slant the other day for fourth down. So I'm, I'm worried that after Pop, that Hooker's first read is not there, he has no idea what to do. And I could be completely wrong because I don't study every I – don't, I don't study the, the film. But that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about that if the first option is not there, 
he panics. And another thing, and I'm t- I don't really like the Dobbs, um, the whole Dobbs comparison because I think Dobbs is better. I mean, Hooker's in his like senior year. Dobbs was amazing in his senior year, for the most part. Um, Hooker, before I left the other day in that last drive, I looked at my brother. I said on that fourth down play, I said, "Look, he's going to take the snap. He's going to look for the first read. It's not going to be there, and he's going to get sacked." What happened? He looked. He got sacked. Like I don't know if he has any playmaking ability outside, like in the pocket, and it breaks down. Like I just don't know. And again. That's not me shitting on him. It's a fact. Like, I see it with my own eyes. And I, I think all I'm saying is there's a, there's a reason why Virginia Tech got rid of him. Like, like there's just a reason why. And, and they probably would need him because they scored three points a few weeks ago. But they probably, probably would want Hendon Hooker. Now, he's what we have. He's all we got. And he's 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 beating the teams that we need to beat, and I'm just tired of the fan base being so they get their panties in a wad because it, it's not all sunshine and rainbows all the time. I want to go to the next level. Everybody's happy with this because it's not JG. And another thing, I'm so sick of hearing that he's the best we had since JG. Yeah, okay. Well, if I have a bicycle for 11 years and I get a Lexus, I'm not going to go around saying you know this is the best car I've had in a decade. Well, obviously it is, but but saying he's the best since Dobbs is not an argument. Yes, he's good. Yes, it is because you're comparing nothing basically. But going forward, you know what they're going to do? They're going to go. They're going to beat these last two. They're going to put forty up on um, some Big Ten bullshit team in the in the in the bowl game, and we're going to be ranked in the top twenty-five next year, and we're going to have we're going to be up in pit, and we're going to have Florida at home. And if y'all want to take the next step, you need to see this guy take the next level forward. So that's all I have on Hooker. Like, I, I think he was fine for playing the number one team. Like, he, he did what he could do. I just think there's some growing that Hypel might – I would hope to get out of him. I hope this isn't his ceiling. But, uh, Paul, you got something for this? I'm, I'm really going to kind of piggyback off you. If he wants to be elite and make the next jump, at least from our as a fan's point of view, we got to beat Pitt on the road and beat Florida at home next year. Those are two extremely winnable games. Pitt's roster is so depleted, and if Hooker stays and he wants to say, "Hey, like I'm actually elite," you've got to go beat Florida at home. You, Pitt, no Pitt is Pitt is losing like 27 seniors, including yeah. a QB. Um, Florida will be at home, and they might have a new head coach, and they're going to be with that Richardson kid and. Um, Emory or Emory Jones or another freshman. So if we can add some pieces, I hope to God, like he can take the next step and we can, you know, again, one more time. I'm going to say this one more time. I'm not shitting on him. I love him. He's great. Like he's fun to watch. I just wish he would take another step forward. And as far as Anthony Richardson goes on the SEC chat, I'm on, they, they think, Florida fans think Richardson's gone because Mullen won't play him. So then they're not. gonna be they're gonna be down one. They're gonna be down a quarterback. Sorry. So, I, you, uh, you have something low? <laughs> no, I missed the conversation because my computer almost died and so I had to run and get my charger. Oh. Um <laughs> I was just giving my thoughts on Hooker. Uh, he he just needs to take the next step. 
basically fans need to stop getting in their panties because we say, I say things that's wrong, wrong with him. Like, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. I love him. Like he's a good quarterback. People take, you know, people on this app tend to care way too much about what other people's opinions are. Right. We can agree to disagree and be adults and not, not everyone has to have the same opinion. That's what makes all of this great in my opinion. So, which people probably don't agree with. I would hate to know what our record would be with anybody else. Like, I don't know if we're at, I don't know if we're finishing the season at seven to five, you know, uh, Milton probably could lead us to, so he'd probably lost Kentucky, but he could have probably, let's see, I'm tr- thinking of who we else we beat. He would have beat Missouri and South Carolina. I okay. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully God. He would have but, had to be really fucking bad for us. But Kentucky, uh, that's, that's the hooker I want, I want to see. But the thing is Kentucky has our talent. I want to see Hooker elevate that and play, you know. What I don't understand is, like, with Hooker, like, he struggled in that Ole Miss game. Well, Ole Miss, Ole Miss defense probably has just as talent as we do overall, and plus their defense was ranked in the hundreds. I, I didn't understand that. There was something up with that Ole Miss game. He didn't come out blazing, and he struggled. In the second half, he was better. But um, Well, maybe but, about the Ole Miss game is the – I swear we score more points if they don't do that injury bullshit and kill our tempo. Hooker, 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 I love the kid. He is so bad if he's not in rhythm. If he's not in rhythm and flowing, he's he's not good. But also, like, he's probably huddled his whole life. Yeah. So so like we're the fastest. He's this is probably the fastest he's ever done. So he's probably used to huddling, taking his time, getting up to the line. I, I don't know. I don't know about that Ole Miss game. It, it was a head scratcher. I, I thought he was going to come out and just put. I thought he was going to put fifty up, honestly. But all right, do you just want to do a quick score for South Alabama? I don't really like, like spending time on this. I don't even know if I'll watch it. I'll. I don't know. But uh, Paul, South Alabama, pick pick one or two things you'd like to see. Uh, I want to see a Hooker get back into the flow of this offense. Kind of get ready for the bowl game in Vanderbilt. Kind of. I want to see the defense step up. I feel like they've been so bad since the bye week. They laid a goose egg against Kentucky. Like, they played bad as fuck against – like, terrible against Kentucky. And they kind of made Georgia look like they had an offense for the first time all year. And then I want to see uh, – I want to see a couple of defensive touchdowns. I think our defense needs to get back on the board and pitch a shutout, score 60. So, I'm, I'm going to say 63-0. Cool. All right. Um, I like that. I want to see – I want our offense to just, like, run up the score like crazy and be done by literally halftime. That would be, like, my ideal. Just get the starters off the field. Um, and I'm going to go – I'll go 55-6 to six as my final. I'll be there just because I have tickets, um, and it's a night game. But I hope that it's a good one. Yeah, this is the type of game you wish you had a young QB that, to get some reps. I wish we had like a third-string freshman that could, you know, pick up some snaps. But looks like it just might be two QBs, you know. Uh, Milton might get, you know, most of the snaps towards the end or from probably halftime on or something. Uh, just give me no injuries. Let's play a lot of young guys on defense. Let's see if we can get them game reps. Uh, just just get old-fashioned ass-beating uh, like the um, – was it Tennessee Tech we played? Just give me 50. You know, let's pitch a shutout. Let's see that. Let's pitch a shutout. Let's go 50 nothing. 
but that's all that's all we got for South Alabama. We don't really want to spend a lot of time on it. But low, you want to start fan questions? <laughs> start over. Lots of good questions this week, um, including those couple that we rolled over. So we're starting with those first. Um, at CTH Volfan asked us, we've had two players already hit the transfer portal this year. Are any more of the current players rumored to be leaving after this season? Um, shit, if they are, I don't know about it. I, I honestly, I'm not going to sit here and try to act like I'm an insider. I have no clue. I know, I mean, Bailey left because he's not going to play in this offense. Mauer left for whatever. I mean, Mauer probably bet the, QB number two if he's still on the roster, but uh, no, I don't know. I don't have any insider information either, but I am playing devil's advocate. Say for some reason Hooker decided to give his go at the draft and Milton transferred, then what would we do? Honestly, I know we have Taven Jackson coming in, but he would be a true freshman learning an entirely new offense under Heupel. I'm sure that would be exceptionally hard and pretty much impossible. I don't want to be like any drama starter or anything, but when I read this question, I was like, holy shit, what would we do if that happened? I, don't, I have no idea what we would do. Um, so that's just kind of immediately what happened in my head. I will say that after like Tennessee conducted and ended their investigation and decided not to impose a bowl ban, I do think that may like ease the minds of some guys in terms of, Oh, like I need to leave or maybe I should give it another shot. Um, it may ease their minds, but in terms of like insider information, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a hard question to answer it. Um, I'll give you kind of a alter, a kind of the same scenario, but a little different. Like, what if what if Hooker comes back, and Milton is like, "Hey, I'm an upperclassman. I want to go find somewhere to play," and he goes plays for like some you know Mac school or something. Um, I mean, he is an upperclassman, but he, I think, does he have two years left? Uh, so he has more years on him than available than than Hooker. So, uh, we'll, we still lack depth at that point. From the QB, I'm trying to think of people like within the program, defense, offense. That's just maybe unhappy. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it looks like looks. I think there's a question about another. I think there's another question we have about trans trans uh, for a portal coming in. Um, I think that's where Hopple will start. We'll answer that in a second. But uh, as far as people going out, I have no clue. I, I'm I'm really on that QB position in the off season though. Yeah, definitely the top of my concerns list. So we'll just see how it unfolds. Um, at Jay Salveson, he says, great podcast, very real, a bunch of average Joes and low <laughs> talking. <laughs> <laughs> Question for each. Um, many gamblers do not bet on his or her team. Do you have a strict guideline on not betting on Tennessee since you all bleed orange? So... I usually take the spread on blowout losses that I know we're going to lose. Like Alabama, I usually take the spread. For some reason, some bullshit always happens at the end of the game that makes it to where the spread cannot 
be a, a, achieved. So I've saw ever since that Florida game where we had the spread and then they scored that touchdown and Leland knocked a Coke can to the moon. Um, I've stopped betting on the spread of Tennessee games. But I do take us money line, obviously, when we play teams like Missouri, South Carolina. I took us money line for Kentucky, and I made a pretty good amount of money because they really boosted the shit out of that game. So that's my answer for it. Yeah, so I've – it's almost ridiculous. I've started to gamble quite a lot. I'm going to start calling that number that pops up on the apps, which is kind of silly in many ways because – you have to open the app to get the number, right? So it's like, well, fuck you. Hope you are addicted. Um, but in terms of that, I always bet based on gut feeling. Sometimes that bites me in the ass. Um, I also bet on the exact same scenario that Paul was talking about, and I also lost. So I have not bet the spread for Tennessee since. Um, but I have bet the money line, and I did bet the money line for Kentucky and won. In terms of the Titans, though, they usually don't fuck me over. I'll usually bet like an alternate spread or something, and I don't feel like uncomfortable doing it. But I think just college sports in general are harder to place bets on. Um, I always try to keep it something halfway reasonable. But, again, you just never know. So I'm more of a gut better, gut instinct. Sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. But I just don't – I don't feel like I'm jinxing them. I mean, they're going to do what they're going to do. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's funny how this question came up, and I've always said this, even before gambling recently has gotten popular. I've all, This is the number one rule. Never bet on or against Tennessee because, you know what, if you bet on them, they'll shit the bed. If you bet against them, they'll win. And they're the most they're, – they, and I'm a Cowboys fan, so it's kind of the same mindset to them. The Cowboys have won, like, big games in the past, and I've thought they would shit the bed. And Tennessee, same thing. Like, So that's a rule. I have bet on them. Um, I don't think I've bet on them much this year. Now, I did have the Barstool hoodie thing. That, that's why I threw the fit at the Florida um, at the Florida thing because at the very end of the game, all they had to do was stop them once to cover so I can get my damn hoodie. I still want that barstool. Um, and then at the end of the game, Milton let, leads them all the way down the field and um, uh, over, overthrows it in the back of the end zone. Like we could have covered the end. But um, this year I've made a killing off college football for the most part by doing money lines combined with other money lines. And I know it's you'll say, you'll say like, well, that's stupid because the money lines are so big. Yeah. But it's so wacky with covering. Like, you, like look at – Cincinnati has killed me this year because they can't cover. They'll win by a touchdown against Navy and Tulane. But if you combine several – and nothing's guaranteed. But, like, last year I did a bunch of money lines of high favorites, combined them, and I made a kill. And I turned – I took a $4 um, – I think I took a, took a $4 free bet – and I ended up turning it into like twelve hundred dollars uh, last year. Like I made a killing last year. Now basketball season is different because there's upset somebody who just doesn't a favorite will show up and shoot bricks, and the uh, the sucky team gets hot. Uh, I mean, I lost my ass during NBA and um, college basketball. But uh, this year, I've tried to do that whole money line thing, and there's tons of upsets every every which way. 
So, yeah, my number one rule is never bet on against your team. It's kind of like when we used to play early in fantasy football, we didn't know what was going on. We would have people in our fantasy football league draft, like, all the players from their favorite team. Like, I had this girl, and she was a huge Miami Dolphin fan. She drafted every single Miami Dolphin. Guess what? She went winless. So, um, my number one rule is don't bet on or against Tennessee. Very good. Um, next question at calmer than you underscore says I've seen some possible goal or bowl game scenarios talked about on various sites and their predictions. What do y'all think would be best for us? Texas Bowl, Gator Bowl, or Duke's Mayo Bowl, or none of the above? We did kind of touch on this last week, but since they kind of specified it, I figured we would go ahead and talk about it a little more. So you can go ahead, Paul. Um. I guess I'll answer his first, like, initial group with, what was it, Texas, Gator, and Liberty? And Duke's Mayo Bowl. I always forget about that damn bowl. Uh, I think instead of focusing on what bowl we're playing in, we should focus on what opponent we would want. And and as far as, like, I'm a really big fan of us playing Clemson right now just because of the name they have behind them. But – I would also not mind playing somebody like Minnesota or Kansas State. Knowing like, teams I know we're going to score 50 on and they're not going to score that on us and we're going to go into the offseason with a lot of excitement. But I think out of those three bowls, I would like to see us play in the Mayo Bowl because, I mean, that's, I, mean I, I think it's one of the more popular bowls. I remember watching it a couple years ago. That's all I know about it. But – it sucks. I really wanted to play in the Outback Bowl. I really wanted us to be Ole Miss or uh, Pitt, one of those two, and go eight and four and play in the Outback Bowl because that's a pretty big bowl. And who doesn't love Tampa, Florida? Like, it's really pretty this time of year because, you know, it's cold as balls up here. But that Duke's Mayo against Clemson would be my pitch perfect or my picture perfect. Yeah, I guess out of those three choices, mine would be the Gator Bowl simply because it is warm. It is on a Friday. I could attend if I wanted to, so that's just me being selfish. Um, I guess I kind of agree. I just want to really – I want a solid opponent. You know, assuming we get to a bowl, I really care more about the opponent because we aren't getting to, like you said, one of the bigger bowls. So more more to me it's about – you know, showing up and playing a really good opponent, getting these guys, like, a lot more practices in. But me just being selfish, I would pick the Gator Bowl because it's warm. It almost sounded like his question was kind of meant for recruiting. I don't know if that's what he meant or not. From a a recruiting standpoint, um, going to Florida would obviously be the big deal. And I mentioned this last week. From a fan standpoint, I want to go in one day. I want to spend as less as possible. Um... I want to go to Music City, period. I think it's an easy trip. Downtown Nashville, you can go eat and go drink in the little the little town there. Um, but yeah, give me a sexy, give me a sexy matchup. We talked about all those last week. Give me a Penn State. I don't want to play in Florida because I don't I want to go. I'm not driving nine, ten hours for a bowl game um during winter when I got other stuff to do and not do. And but uh yeah, give me Music City. I, I like to go to Nashville. Very well, then. Um, at Vols are your dad. <laughs> Says, do you think uh, Josh Heupel with decent depth and good talent, say like the 2016 team of Tennessee, would be a top 10 team? 
Did it say would beat a top 10 team or beat? Uh, I be he said beat. So, like, beat, you know, in Alabama. Well, Josh Dobbs doesn't turn the ball over seven times against AM. We beat a top 10 team that year. But with Josh Heupel, I say right now, if Josh Heupel has that 2016 team, we don't lose to Vanderbilt, South Carolina, or Texas AM. I do think Bama beats us, but not in a blowout. And I think we represent the East more, most like more than without saying we represent the East. And I think we make the playoff at 11 and 1 because they have a habit of putting two lost SEC teams in the playoffs. So even if both of our losses come to the number one team, I think we would have snuck in at four, at least been the first two out and played in the bowl that wasn't fucking Music City Bowl. It was an eight and four team that should have went 10 and two at the flooring of that team. But I think. If I think Josh Hyper is showing you right now why he's an elite coach with doing what he's doing with what he has. I mean, we lost 30 transfers off of this team. Like I think 24, 25 of them were starters, and I think almost all of them are starters on the teams they've transferred to. So, yeah, I think I think Hyper is going to be us have us in the top 10 team in three, four years. That's just me. That may be a hot take, but I don't know. So I looked at this, I kind of reread this question a couple times because I was like, how is he, how am I supposed to look at this? So if I compared it like Josh Heupel was coaching that 2016 team, I don't see them losing to South Carolina and Vanderbilt that year. I'll say that. And then looking at the way Heupel has developed Hooker this season, I think Dobbs would have been way better that year. And I think they would have made it to the SEC championship. Now, on the flip side, if we look at like this year and this schedule with better depth and talent overall, I think we would beat like bit. Uh, we probably beat, I guess, Pitt, Florida, and maybe even Alabama, but still lose to Georgia. Um, to sum all that up, that may have been confusing. But my brain was like, "How do I answer this? I don't know which way I should answer it." Um, so, yeah, I do think we would beat a, a top 10 team either from then, which we were, I think, believe, I believe we ranked number nine or something in 2016. I don't know. My brain kind of went all over the place with this. But, yeah, I do think we would beat a top 10 team. Yeah, I'm going to answer it in, in two parts like you. Um, I actually think Hopple is, you know, the whole stereotype about Camara. Like, I think Heupel would be smart enough to give Kamara the ball. Now, my only question about Heupel in 2016 was our defense was atrocious. Um, hopefully, he would have been smart enough to hire a Tim Banks and help that defense out. And giving the ball more to Kamara would have definitely helped the defense out also. Uh, now, I'm sitting here trying to pull this up. but And actually, I was looking at some of Heupel's UCF teams. And um, so they played, I think, number six. I can't get it to – here it is. They played number – no, it looks like number 11. UCF was ranked seventh, so a little bit outside the top ten. They played LSU in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, it was January of 2019 at the end of the 2018 season. They lost by uh, eight points. Do you all know who was on that team? Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, Chase, Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, that team was stacked, so he lost by he lost to eight of he lost by eight against that team. Um, and UCF is not a known 
NFL manufacturer. So he was right there in the game with them. Yeah, we'll we'll be we'll get ours eventually. I I was hoping for it this year, but um, I I'm worried. I'm worried about our recruiting classes. That's where it starts. The Jimmys and the Joes. It's the old cliche. Uh, the transfer por- uh, portal, transfer p- portal is um, it worries me a little bit because it makes me think that you're getting a bunch of rejects that no one else wants. Well, obviously Hooker was one of them. So that, sometimes Cordell Patterson was came from JUCO. Um, so sometimes you can find some diamonds in the rough. I guess right now we just need bodies and worry about talent later. Like let's just build up our our depth. And you know, it looks like he's trying to find anybody to 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 come here and 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 add their uh, add their time and all that. But yeah, he'll he'll get one. He'll get one. He'll beat Florida eventually. Um, he'll uh, if Nick Saban would ever retire, we could beat them. But yeah, he'll he'll get one of those soon. All right. Next question um, at mvols95 says I am a week late on this one, but after that missed uh, face mask call against Kentucky, it made me wonder if you can think of another time with when the refs made a horrible call or no call that actually benefited Tennessee. So this isn't in a win per se. We this game, but this play did make us. Gets to the point where we could force overtime. But in 2013, I don't know if the people listening remember, we got that blocked punt. And then as we were returning the blocked punt, the I think it was Swanson, he absolutely drilled the punter. Like on the one-yard line, no question about it. Should have been rough, unnecessary roughness, and then you take away the touchdown. They don't call it. I think that made the score 24-17 us. We end up scoring. They end up scoring. We end up scoring because Butch didn't run the ball out and then kick a field goal with three seconds left. And I digress, though. You know, that really did project that whole game. So I guess that's the only no call I can think of. I can think of a thousand calls we got fucked on, but I can't think of one that somebody else got fucked in our benefit. When I read this question, I immediately was like, nope, because everything that I ever remember is always when we get screwed over and I get absolutely irate, pissed off, don't want to talk about it. Um, I literally, off the top of my head, I'd not research it, but off the top of my head, I cannot think of one besides this Kentucky one that just happened where I felt like Tennessee benefited. Um but I'm sure maybe some other people on Twitter maybe could come up with some. I'm sure a bunch of other fan bases could dig up some shit. But me off the top of my head, I couldn't think of anything. Like, I love this question. Like, this is, like, one of my favorite questions. But the thing about it is it's really hard to answer. Like Paul said, I can name 50 times. I can name, you know, Dooley uh, Music City Bowl. I can name Jabari, um, Jabar Gaffney. um Catch, no catch. I can call. I can think of all the the bullshit Alabama calls. I can think of Mount Cody slinging his helmet off. That's still bullshit. Um, So I had to do some research on this. This was pretty tough to find, but I did find one. Now, this was back in 98 from when Tennessee played the national championship. So that was like, what, 20-something years ago, 22 years ago. So if in hindsight, if you're like, well, Tennessee hasn't had a good call go their way in 20-something years, that's not good. But I'm sure they're out there. 
Um, so we played Syracuse in the first game of the season, and it was a it was a back and forth close game. Uh, they had Donovan McNabb actually, and maybe Dwight Freeney. I'm not sure. Um, so there was a minute forty three to go. It was a fourth and seven. T. Martin drops back to pass. Cedric Wilson runs like a seven-yard curl right at the sticks. Well, the the cornerback, Will Allen, um, basically hits Cedric Wilson as the ball gets there. And it's almost bang-bang. Like, it's it's close. Like, you could honestly go both ways. Being at home, you would think Syracuse would get the call and it would be a no-call. He throws the flag, automatic first down. Tennessee goes down the field. Jeff Hall hits the game-winning field goal. So that was a – I've read an article that that was pretty controversial at the time. The funny thing about it is the same ref that called that. So the, my Cowboys played um, in against Detroit in 2014. Uh, everybody knows that Romo didn't have a bunch of playoff success. So the tight end for the Lions goes down the field and catches a ball from Matt, Matt Stafford. The linebacker is not looking at the turn. He doesn't turn around to look at the ball. He's just basically face guarding. So they throw the flag for pass interference. They pick up the flag. It was the greatest cowboy thing ever. Like they picked up the flag. I couldn't believe it. They say incomplete replay, uh, next down or whatever. So the ref that called the flag on Cedric Wilson was the same ref that called the flag on the Cowboys game. So I got two for two on both my teams by the same ref. But um, that's the only thing I could find. And I was trying to think of something from like maybe Butch era or, you know, Dooley or those weird games and stuff, but I could not find a thing. That's, that's, that's the only thing that I found that was pretty controversial. Yeah, I agree. It was a great question. I would also like them to follow up and see if they had anything like particularly on their mind. So if you're listening, uh, Shoot us another DM. Let us know if you had anything else to follow up with that. Um, let's see. This one is not sports related, but fun. At 901 Vol asked us, which holiday do you prefer, Thanksgiving or Christmas, and why? As a kid, it had to be Christmas. Wasn't even close. I got so many presents, you know, because that's what you could do. It happens when you're a kid. But as I've grown up, Thanksgiving has taken it. Ever since I turned like 16 or 17, and I started only getting like three or four things for Christmas because, you know, I'm not kidding anymore. Dude, going to that table, getting turkey, like getting seven or eight plates because you can. That's the one day you're allowed to be a fat ass and nobody in your family judges you. Uh, Thanksgiving is the one for me, 100%. That's a great question. Though. I like fun stuff like that. Great question. I'll say personally, uh, there's not one day in my family that you are not being judged. It is every damn day. I can be sure of that. Um, in terms of favorite, definitely Thanksgiving. Reason why is I always get that Thursday off. We got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We have football and basketball going on at the same time. Um, I usually work on Christmas Eve most pretty much every year, so I don't really get, and depending on when it falls, I may get one day off. So me as an adult, I'm like, I want to have like a nice little break. So it's always Thanksgiving for me. Good food, good sports, lots of fun. I'm blown away. I'm absolutely blown away. I can't believe this. Like, I thought this was 
not a dumb question, but I thought it was like a runaway. Like I, I, I I'm, I'm shocked. Now I just want to hit Christmas just to, just to be the different one. I'll say this. Um, growing up being a kid, Christmas, there's something magical about it. It's so much fun. Starting December 1st, you start your Christmas movies. You start your Christmas carols. You go see Christmas lights. Like it's just something magical about it. The whole Santa Claus thing, <coughs> all that is once you get to an adult. And in my early years of being an adult, I used to work in retail. It's not fun whatsoever. It's a pain in the rear. There are snobby people out there. They don't give a damn about you. They want what they want, and they want it now, and they're rude, and they're heartless, and they're assholes, okay? So I feel like I'm not going to give a straight answer. I don't know. So, okay, so I love Thanksgiving. By the way, a little hot take here. I think turkey's overrated. I think it's god-awful. I'll eat it if it's deep-fried and, and moist, but if it's dry, it's garbage. Like, I could eat stuffing 24 hours a day. I could eat stuffing for breakfast, okay? Love it. Is it, st- is it stuffing or dressing? I don't know. Like, which one do y'all? Some families have different names for it. Anyway, turkey's overrated. I'll eat it. Whatever. I love Black Friday. Go out, you know, wake up early. My, my family used to go wake up at 4.30 and go out to the 5. Remember when they used to have the 5 o'clock sales? They did away with that. And then it pissed me off. They started having sales on Thursday night. It's like, dude, I'm trying to watch the Dallas game. Uh, I'm not going out shopping on a, on, a, on a holiday. We'll do that tomorrow. That pissed me off. I don't even know if they still do that. Um, Christmas, the magic, once you get older, like for Halloween, for instance, I didn't do one thing for Halloween. I didn't watch a scary movie. I didn't go to a party. I didn't dress up. Didn't do anything. The older you get, holidays kind of just come and go. If you have kids, I'm sure they're there for you. I, I guess gun to my head to pick the two, you pick Christmas because Christmas is the go-to. But, I mean, I do like Thanksgiving uh, football three times. Uh, I love how they went to the three games on uh, Christmas. But uh, Black Friday's cool. You have the whole weekend. Um, but I got to go with Christmas on this one. The whole festive month-long celebration, I guess, is what I'd go with. Very well, then. Um Last question at Alan W. Valsvan asks us how much emphasis is the coaching staff putting on the transfer portal? What is the criteria on visits? Do they get to have an official visit? I I think once they put their name in the transfer portal, it's just like you're back in recruiting and you can take visits as much as you want. I may be wrong, maybe 100% wrong, but I know you're allowed to take visits somewhere. I could have swore that someone said it doesn't count against our official visits. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, but like okay. the, the actual player, I think, is allowed to go to whatever school he wants to look at, right? Gotcha. No so, but the transfer portal is huge. I don't think there's any if and buts about it. How a hype does with this transfer portal is going to depict how good we are next season. Because you, I don't care how good these true freshmen are that we recruit. We could recruit the whole – every five-star in the country. They're still true freshmen. You have to get some form – of leadership, especially with Alante Taylor leaving. You have to get some form of leadership position on that defensive end, whether it's Jawan Mitchell coming back, because, you know, I almost forgot about him before they were – I completely forgot about him watching the Georgia game. They're like, yeah, Jeremy Banks has done a great job in the absence of Henry Toe and Jawan Mitchell. And I'm like, who the hell is Jawan? Oh, shit, yeah, he plays here. Yeah, I had a complete brain fart. It really threw me for a loop. But 
the transfer portal is the most important thing for Josh Heifel in this offseason. Second, well, I think it's more important than keeping Hooker. Like, if you lose Hooker and you don't attack the transfer portal, you are royally fucked. Like, we would have no players. That Florida game's looking like a 50-50 game now, and you're not going to go beat Kentucky again without Hooker. Like, you're just not. As long as they keep up what they're doing, you have to restock. There's no, like – gap period either like I know you have to wait and get your guys recruited and coach them up but like you've shown us what you can do with shit and so we're gonna as a fan base we're gonna expect eight to ten wins next season because of how favorable our schedule is so like you got to get shit together now that's why the transfer portal is so important I think I'm right there with you Paul um there is no reason why they shouldn't be attacking this transfer portal just wide open um the reason why I say that, obviously, we are weak at every every position in terms of depth. So I would be trying to get anyone in who fit, you know, the characteristics that they're looking for. And but I, at the same time, I see some people almost in a panic state, and I don't really know why because we've already done so much better this season than anyone predicted us to, and we could have done a lot better. So I guess it's maybe the shoulda, coulda, woulda thing. Like people are kind of panicked now, but I don't, I don't sense any panic. I think we just need to, as a fan base, just kind of put it a little bit on cruise control and see what they do. I mean, we don't have as much as we like to think we have control over the situation. We don't. Um, I, I mean, of course, we can be encouraging and positive, and I do think that helps. And I've noticed that more. So I am proud of us as a fan base for being more positive via Twitter. Um, but in terms of everything, I think this coaching staff is really smart. I think they know what they're looking for and we aren't going to know what's happening with recruiting and transfer portal and all of that until it happens. I mean, we may get surprised or we may be like, Oh no, we might fall back a little bit, um, next year, but we aren't going to know till we know. That's kind of how I felt going into this season. I was like, I have no idea what to expect. Um, that's kind of where I, where my head and my mentality is going at for next season. Um, and I'm not trying to be like mean or anything about this question. I think it's a great question. I'm just trying to be like honest about where my opinion is on, on the whole situation. Good question though. Yeah, we're going to have to, my, my thing is like, I, you want to, you want a guy to come in and, and just start picking off these recruits from, from Bama, like what I don't understand is like, like I listened to uh, some kind of radio the other day, and they were talking about all these five stars going to Bama. Like some of them guys that are going, that are like NFL prospects, they're going to be like second and third string. Now, the one thing that Tennessee has to offer is the fact that we have playing time, and I, I've never understood that. Like, there's that picture I've seen of like Tua, Mac Jones, and Jalen Hurts. Why in the hell? Why Why would you go to a depth chart like that? I don't get that. Like, if you think you're that good, go go make somebody else a national championship contender. Like, I, I, I want to play for four years. I don't want to sit on the bench. So, Tennessee can um, offer playing time. Now, looks like that's not going to be the way to go. Like, we missed out on that Walter Nolan. Like, I, like I don't know what he was thinking. I, I can't think of one thing Texas A&M has to offer. Like – Boring ass uniforms, 
they have damn dudes as weird cheerleader things. Like they have nothing like to offer that's exciting. Like Tennessee has playing time. We Hopple just gave them alternate uniforms. Uh, we play in the East where it's a little bit easier. Um, but I thought he could have been a very much cornerstone, a, a real big cornerstone for Hopple's start to this. But yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to start the trans, uh, transfer portal. Now the thing I mentioned this a few weeks ago is that um, that it might get to the point where it's almost like a free agent frenzy, and that you could actually possibly get good quality out of out of these things. Because in the past, you'd get some like backup linebacker and and you know some kicker or something. But like, there's legit guys that are going from place to place, and I think that's even going to get more and more crazier, and you're going to get more and more talent, especially with these people that have such an ego and they don't want to sit behind a guy for three or four years. So we're going to have to start there. Uh, let's just, like, a, like I said a minute ago in the last segment, like we're going to, we're just finding bodies at this point. Like me, you and me, Lo and Paul might have to go down there eventually, but um, yeah, we just need bodies. Absolutely. Um, that was our last question for the week. So we love the questions. I'm so happy for everyone sending them in. It's like my favorite part of the show um, just because it breaks it up and we always have something different. So make sure you guys keep sending those to us. Um, next, we're just going to basketball. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you just want to lump? I, I don't really have much of a review for ETSU. Yeah. I just want to just do one more around the horn and we can cut out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, I do love the fan questions. I look forward to those, actually. Like, yeah. The more random, the better. Like, I love them. Like, they're awesome. So, we can clump. If you want to say something about ETSU, fine. If not, I got a little scouting report on Villanova. Um, but uh, we can just lump that together and get out of here. Paul? So, the only thing I really want to say about our first two games is just how awesome it is to see a freshman make an impact. I feel like a lot of times on this team, or at least in this program's history, we've had these really highly touted freshmen, but they don't really get it until the middle of the season or like their second year. I mean, Kennedy Chandler just won freshman of the year in the country, like big boy shit, like 85% from the three-point line. When was the last time we had a point guard shoot 85% from the three-point line in two games? I mean, we're so used to like seeing – I love Biscovi. Don't ever – don't think this is Biscovi slander, but we see him shoot like – two of eight from three or like one of nine some games. And then some games he'll shoot seven of eight. But he's just so inconsistent. And having – I think Kennedy Chan is going to be the difference maker this year. Like I think without him, we're able to keep it close with some team, like really good teams. But with him, like we could beat Villanova by eight points. When, when do we play him? Is it Friday or Thursday? Uh, Saturday, actually. Oh, well, shit. It's one of those days. Anyways, <laughs> we play – I mean, we play them good. We finally maybe start moving up. I really don't understand how they do college basketball rankings. Illinois is not better than us. We saw that when they lost to Marquette. Uh, they had Stanford in front of us. They just lost, like, everything. I, I, I don't understand it. I really like uh, what Rick Barnes is doing with this team. I think we beat Villanova very – not convincingly. Hold your horses. I don't say, I'm not saying convincingly. Don't shit on me yet, Leland. But I do think that uh, – we do win the game by maybe five or seven points. Okay, so I did – I just want to dive into this real quick um, because Kamwa, he – I talked about him looking way improved in the first game. So 
you know, I I stand by that because he had 23 points and eight rebounds in 24 minutes in this game against ETSU. Last season, he averaged 7.2 minutes per game, 2.3 mi- er, points per game. Um, and the season before that, it was near like dead the same in terms of like 2.1 or something points per game. So if he keeps up this type of showing, um, I, I see that like a huge, that's a huge surprise. I did not expect him to be such a impactful player this year. Um, on top of all the new guys and the freshmen that we've brought in, for him to t- make a turnaround like that, if he continues on that upward trajectory, this team's going to be exceptionally fun to watch. Um, and obviously Chandler is kicking ass. Um, we all kind of expected that, I think. But we've got to look at who we've played the first two games. But overall, I think Kamwa's like really deserves to be highlighted a little bit for his improvements. So uh, it's not often you get Tennessee football and Tennessee um, basketball on the same day. The only thing that would make it even more better is if you stuck baseball right there in the middle of, of the two games. But uh, you, 1 o'clock, go watch your basket, basketballs, and then 7, go put on football. But um, I, I, I'm actually excited about this game. The first two games is one of those, hey, let's just get through it. Like I didn't even really watch the first two games. This game – Whenever there's another team and they have a little number beside their name, that's always intriguing. An early test. I hate to use that cliche from like ESPN analyst. An early test, but it will be. We'll see what we got. You know, we could be horrible. We could be good. I mean, I don't. I don't think we're horrible. Um, I don't know how good uh, Villanova is. Looks like they lost in overtime to UCLA. Um, that game came down to the wire, and then in overtime, UCLA pulled away. Um, I want to see Barnes. A couple things to look forward to is like Barnes' rotation. Like, what guys is he going to have out there? What guys is he going to have on the bench? And, and how is he going to use minutes and all that? Because we got a lot of depth. And um, so I got a little scouting report. So it looks like they got a guy named Justin Moore that's a guard. He's their leading average scorer. Now, UCLA held him to 14. And their second leading score was actually the leading score for the game. So that's Gillespie at 18. Now, I think this dude's – I think he's white. So he's a white sharpshooter. And he has attempted 26 attempts from three. So we have got to get in this dude's face because he – now the second most attempts on the team is 17. So he has nine more attempts than anybody else on the team. So watch for this uh, Gillespie to, to jack one up a, a couple times. This Jordan Moore, like I said, he's an average leading scorer. Um, looks like he's pretty good. They have a, they have a big guy called Eric Dixon. He uh, he's averages about six uh, rebounds a game. He holds the post up in the middle. Big man, 6'8". Um, don't know anything about him. Besides that, haven't even seen him on film or anything. Watched any of the games? Uh, Villanova's one of those teams that you, you, when you're filling out your bracket, you every single year you like see their name and you want to. They want didn't they win the national championship a couple years ago? Um, but I love these early season um, tests and just because it's something intriguing. Like it's before SEC play. It's it's. Uh, but Barnes. I guess this was a tournament, so he really didn't put this schedule together. But Barnes has never been scared to play anybody. Um, 
So I can't wait to watch it. I'll be somewhere watching it, drinking beer. But uh, I have us winning. Let's go ahead and say we win it. We win it by, like he said, we win it by four or five, six. But uh, anything, anybody else on anything? <laughs> you're gonna go out of order are you going no no just go ahead just any any last thoughts all right last thoughts um so that more i was gonna say he shoots for 72.7 percent from the three and the whole team shoots 50 percent of mm. villanova so and in most previous seasons my biggest complaint has been our lack of defense on three-point shots yep so the absolute biggest thing is to shut more down, shut down these three pointers. Um, and I do, I mean, if, if we have like our threes hitting, that's the thing, like you mentioned, Viscovi's hot or cold on those threes. And it kind of scares me, but now we have some other, a lot of other guys who can come in and fill that spot if, if he's not hitting those threes. So if we can shut down the three, I absolutely see us beating Villanova, but I do think it'll be close. So I'm going with like 83, 81. Sometimes in these games, like everybody's intrigued about Chandler. Like sometimes with better competition, you're like, is this guy going to hit a freshman wall or is he going to go out and score 40? Like right. I, I, I can't wait to see him, see him play and ball out. I think this game is going to see how good we are as a basketball team. I think those first two games – are warm-up games. Every team has them. But, like, um, I'm with Leland. It's, it's so shitty calling this our first true test because I think every game's a test. You still have to go out and beat the bad teams, regardless of whether how good you are. You still have to line up. You still have to do everything you know you can do. But if we beat Villanova, the train's on the track. Like, the, it's everything's going to start rolling if we beat Villanova. And they're top five right now playing uh, – Really great basketball as far as statistically what I'm seeing from them. Um, they kill us in football percentage and three-point percentage. They absolutely kill us. Uh, so let's see how good our defense is. I mean, our defense has to – I think it's going to be our defense to win us this game if it's going to be anything other than our offense. Uh, this game – a game like this will look good like in March when they're or late February into March, like on your resume. If you can put a win like this on your – it helps straight the schedule. It helps RPI, all that stuff. So let's go get a win on Saturday and then turn around and watch the Vols kill injury-free against South Alabama and then get ready for Vandy and then bowl season. Oh, another thing I forgot to say during the South Alabama thing, I really want to see Aaron Willis play, our freshman linebacker. He, This is, uh, like you said, best time to get in-game reps is against these shitty teams when you can blow them out. And then Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's just as bad as South Alabama is this year. Yeah. So anytime we, we need to, I'll, I'll, I'll like a really long, we'll talk about this next week, but I'll like a really long winning streak on um, Vanderbilt. We need to get that back up into like double digits. It, they had like three on us. I think that's out. That's not our standard. That's not, but I think we're, we may be tailgating for that game. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but if anybody wants to come out, we'll be in the bottom of G10. We're going to try to do it big. Hopefully it's cold. Like I like it cold when it's, when you dress, when you dress right. But, um, Hopefully it's cold and everything. We'll talk about that all next week. But any last thoughts whatsoever? Go ball. I don't believe so. Just right. good Saturday. Go uh, ball. D one, one thing. DR, I hope you get those genital warts uh, fixed. I know they, you had the uh, – they sprouted out on you, but just uh, <laughs> hopefully they'll be great for you, buddy. All right, I'm out. God damn. Bye.